What is up? Welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. We are here for episode 135, and by we, I mean, of course, me, your host, Jeremy Rushing, and alongside me, as always, back again, Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing very well. I want to uh, I want to thank Carter for filling in for me last week. Um, always fun to get other people on the pod as well, so that's fun. But yeah, I, I was on the road, so I was not available. Uh, glad to be back. Uh, and uh, since this was more current news last week, I'll, I'll throw in a quick shout out. I, I have a, a recent article on the site for people to check out. An interview with uh, Mally Lumsden, who's going to be playing with Superior City this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, previously, he's played with the Wolfpack, he's played with Duluth FC, has a long history at this sort of level of the game uh, in this area. And uh, so just talked to him. He's a guy that I've known for a long time uh, and uh, had, had a good chat about his sort of return to this level. Uh, it's been some time since he's played at this sort of higher uh, level of the amateur pre-professional game here so uh yeah so that article's on the site a couple articles ago now if you want a little bit of a uh, lower lead reading from soda soccer yeah make sure you're checking out sodasoccer.com it is your home for soccer coverage in the north we have plenty of minnesota united news obviously but as dom just alluded to plenty of lower league and community soccer news there as well on what's going on in usl league 2 npsl upsl uslw league um and and everything in between minnesotans and the pros doing big things so make sure you're checking us out sotasoccer.com for all of your minnesota soccer coverage and news also Big thanks to everybody checking us out live right now on patreon.com slash soda soccer. Yes, if you are a soda soccer patron in the five or ten dollar tiers, you get this bonus content, you get this live version of 10,000 pitches. You can be one of the first to take in the podcast. Um, you can leave a question or a comment, you can sort of contribute uh, to the episode, interact with us live here during the episode as well. So Big thanks to everyone checking us out. And if you're watching or listening after the fact and you think, hey, I might want to maybe tune in live on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time, I can get away with that. Uh, just become a patron. Again, as low as $5 a month gets you access to the live version of the podcast. Also helps us uh, hit our monthly patron goals as well to help you know keep doing what we're doing here at Soda Soccer. So again, patreon.com slash Soda Soccer. If you haven't done that yet, please consider supporting our work. Allows us to... You'll pay all of our content creators. It allows us to do things like go to Loon's road matches. We've been down to Dallas. We've been down to St. Louis already this season. We want to go to, you know, Kansas City, maybe hit up uh, one of the L.A. games later on this season. Who knows? Uh, but if you like the fact that we're able to do those things and provide that next level of coverage um, and, you know, contribute or, or pay or compensate. I guess is the word I'm looking for. Our content contributors, make sure you are doing that at Patreon.com slash soda soccer. Also, a uh, big shout out to Scott A and Kevin I, who both became patrons this week. Actually, Scott became a super sub over at Patreon.com slash soda soccer. So huge thanks to him uh, contributing to our work at the highest level. And that Patreon challenge for April, 55 patrons we want to hit. By the end of April, if we hit that, we will go down to Kansas City to cover the Loons and Sporting KC live on site uh, down in Kansas City uh, on May 13th, that game is. So if we hit 55 patrons by the end of April, we're at 49 right now, just got to get six more. So if you're not a patron, but you want to support our work, head over to patreon.com slash soda soccer. If you're already a patron, uh, be a friend, tell a friend. If you think somebody else might uh, might be um, you know, 
interested might might get some get some value out of what we're doing here behind uh behind our patreon you can uh be a friend tell a friend and uh kind of help grow the community that we're fostering over at patreon.com slash soda soccer all right shutting up about patreon but again big thanks to everybody tuning in live appreciate that um let's go ahead and jump into these headlines here dominic we're going to start with minnesota united as we always do they fell two to one to former loon kai kamara and the chicago fire it was actually kai kamara two minnesota united one in this one as uh, kamara moves himself into second all time on the major league soccer scoring list now behind a, a, a name you might know dominic landon donovan oh. uh, is the only one <laughs> ahead of kai kamara on that scoring list uh, the two goals moved Kamara up into second all-time in MLS goals. Um, obviously, even though it's not you know the greatest thing to see the Loons get their first loss of the season, it was very very cool to see Kamara have this sort of Renaissance-like performance. Um, yeah. You know, getting his second and third goals of the season for Chicago at 38 years old, still doing big things in the lead. It has to be as somebody who you know we watched Kai Kamara have that season with the Loons. I believe he only scored one goal, and it was a penalty kick. So it was a bit of a struggle, but you know, Minnesotans always have a special place in their heart for former Minnesotan players for the most part, maybe Francisco Calvo aside. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'm sure there had to be some sort of level of, uh, you know, just, Hey, we lost, but it was kind of cool to see Kai Kamara get both those goals. Yeah. I mean, Kai Kamara is like a force of nature. I mean, this is a yeah. guy that what two, I don't know, a year or two ago was also still playing for his national team. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, and playing relatively well for them too, uh, uh, Sierra Leone. Um, so yeah, I mean, huge, huge uh, shout out to him. Uh, I would have liked for him to have done something like this while he maybe played for <laughs> Minnesota United, but yeah. you know that it is what it is. I don't think I think the problems that season were far beyond Kai Kamara's individual performances. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, we'll we'll get into the downside of it, but I I, I do think it's one of those games where there is one of the factors is that one of the teams just has one of those guys one yep. of those guys that just does things sometimes uh yeah. this is a guy that scored for i don't recall the exact number upwards of a dozen mls teams i think now uh for for kai kamara it's something like yep. that uh to your point a huge amount of goals across the league overall uh you know it it's always going to be a struggle to deal with someone like that. This is going to be a guy that just knows how to take advantage of, uh, well, frankly, every team because he's either played against yeah. them a dozen times or played for them. <laughs> uh, so he knows everybody, he know, and he knows how to uh, how to play against them. Uh, for you know, a coach like Adrian Heath, who's been in the league for a little while now, Kai Kamara has probably played against him an insane amount of times, along with playing for him. So uh, you know that that that's going to be a factor when you're playing those kinds of teams. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, I, I think both goals, there's things Minnesota could have improved on. And obviously there's a lot that could have been improved on overall in the, uh, in the performance. Yeah. And let's, let's jump into that. So it was a two to one loss for the loons at the hands of the Chicago fire on the road at soldier field, the loons first loss of the 2023 campaign. So when you're looking at kind of the, the, the outlook of the whole season so far, you know, not the worst thing in the world to get your first loss six matches in. That's for sure. Um, it was a 4-2-3-1 for the Loons. Lud returns at the number 10. Sang Ben available for the first time this season off the bench. And then uh, DJ Taylor starts again at right back over Zarek Valentin. Um, 
after both Kamara's first half goals, which were super, both super impressive in their own rights, especially the second goal where he comes across Boxall for that long cross and uh, and heads it in the back of the net. That was really impressive. Um, Minnesota did pull one back in the 57th, courtesy of Kervin Ariaga free kick that bounced off the hands of Chicago goalkeeper Chris Brady and into the back of the net. But, I mean, just a, a, another match without an open play goal for Minnesota. You had the... Um, you had the the penalty kick against St. Louis for your lone goal there. You had the free kick, kind of a, almost like a fluke free kick here, if you want to call it that, uh, from Ariaga here in the second half. So you're still struggling to find that open play goal um, over these last couple matches. Uh, but for me, the attack was an issue, and we'll get to that in a second. But what stood out was just, just how unaggressive the midfield was. And I mean mm-hmm. that in, in, a, in, a, in, a bat, in, like in, the, in a bad way. Uh, they were not taking on challenges. They were slow to every single ball. They were not winning aerial duels. They were not winning ground duels. I have some stats here. So Minnesota is the number one team enforcing interceptions in MLS this season, 14 interceptions per match. They are forcing, they were intercepted 14 times by Chicago in this one. So Chicago flipped that script completely. Um, Here's, here's the stat that stands out to me, Dom. Minnesota won only 12 tackles this entire match. That was still a 62% success rate. They won 62% of their tackles, but that was only 12 tackles. I don't know what the math turns out to, but that's like 20 tackles, 20 challenges that they're taking on the entire match. That's not good enough. That is not going to win against anybody at this level. They could have been playing... DC United, they could have been playing, you know, I don't know, know what a better example is. Montreal. Right Montreal, Montreal man. They could have yeah. been playing anybody. You only take yeah. on 20-something challenges the entire game, you're not going to win, especially with how much this team relies on midfield play, forcing interceptions, taking on right. challenges, causing havoc in the midfield. That is, the, especially with the way Adrian Heath is structuring this, this team, you, you can't do that. You cannot yeah. do that. And then in the attack, you want to here's here's another one, Dom. 0.09 open play XG. Yikes. Um, here's my question, Dom. Hmm. Is this just a stinker of a performance? Or could this be an indicator of uh of some because because Andy Grader had a great piece leading up to the match this week saying that the loons were you know were winning on very fine margins this season yeah. so far where some of the stats indicated that, you know, not ne- it wasn't necessarily fortune, but they weren't dominating, right? It yep. wasn't these dominant performances that indicate long-term sustainable success. They were sort of winning on some of those fine margins. Um, right. We kind of saw the bad of that against Chicago. Does it, does this performance sort of concern you or is it just chalking up to man midfield just had a stinker of a performance. That's, that's unlike them, you know, definitely expect them to pick it up moving forward and we'll be fine. Yeah, it, obviously, it's hard to say without further uh, samples to work with. But what I yeah. would say, I don't feel it doesn't make sense to me that the tactical change would result in this performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not, I would not guess that a four-two-three-one would lead to you having point zero nine yeah. uh, xg from open play. Like, there, I don't see a correlation there. Um, and, and to be honest, particularly the way that they had been playing this formation previously, where Lod was technically 
up sort of behind the striker, but actually was almost more part of like a midfield three. Mm-hmm. Um, that switching back to that shouldn't result in a passive midfield. Uh, mm-hmm. So to me, it feels more like performance rather than the idea. Yeah, or what the problem for sure. Was. Um, to your point, I mean, there, there are some really rough stats from this game. Um, it's worth noting that the two shots on target that Chicago had were their goals. Uh, so they, yep. they had an amazingly effective day in that regard. We had, I think, six. Uh, yeah, 10 shots, shots on six on target. Yep. Um, and obviously, you know, only, the only one of them that goes in is fumbled in, which I, you mm-hmm. know, make, make what you will of that. But uh, yeah, you know, I think there's a lot. You mentioned earlier, I agree with the fact that, like, to a certain extent, eventually losing now, um, I don't think is a huge reason to panic because, I mean, look, you get this far without a loss, eventually that's going to happen. We were one of, like, three teams left without a loss. And a lot of those teams that do have losses at this point are quite good, and some of them are above us in the points tally. So, uh, you know, at some point that's going to happen. To Andy's point, uh, and, and we've discussed this with some of the other games, our stats have not been particularly good with a lot of our results, whether they be draws or losses. There's been several games. I, you know, I, I think I might have brought up in the Vancouver game, which, of course, we were upset about with the late equalizer. But our stats across that game were quite bad. Uh, and, and so, you know, to some extent, it feels like this has been coming. One mm-hmm. thing I noticed with this game, and then I decided to track back through the rest of the games this season, uh, there has been zero games this season when we have had 80% or higher uh, passing accuracy. Mm-hmm. Um and obviously one of those games is a snow game, but I'm not talking about the snow game. We had a non-snow game that had like 68%. I'm blanking on which game it was now, but uh, might have been Vancouver game. Um, yeah, I believe it was. So, you know, in general, there's been a lot of, of, of stats that have reflected that there's a lot of weaknesses in this team's performances that maybe haven't been taken advantage of fully. Chicago managed to do that. Um, now, whether or not that means that suddenly there's going to be a flood of bad results or not is up to the team to decide. And of course, uh, making the most of, of new, your new players like uh, St. Ben, who I actually really liked um, against Chicago, obviously didn't get um, a goal or assist, but um, the, the the bits that we saw from him, I, I, I did like what I saw, particularly for a first performance. Uh, so hopefully there's something there. But yeah, look, I mean, I, I think we've all kind of felt like the team is sort of... Um, Playing, uh, waiting for something to happen, not playing yeah. with Reynoso, playing the way they've been playing, r- relying on the kinds of goals they've been relying on. Uh, I think the question has been, when are they finally going to have to pay for that? Uh, I think sometimes people felt like they were paying for it with those draws, but I think what we've really seen against Chicago was what it actually looks like to pay for that, which is that you just let in a bunch of sloppy goals early and then you can't really do much in the attack. You get, frankly, quite lucky with that free kick goal. Um, although credit to Ariaga for <laughs> slamming them in uh, every game, but uh, you know that's yeah. probably the luckiest goal he'll get. Um, and so you, you know, I, I think this has been coming. I guess is the point. Uh, whether it was going to come today, whether it was going to come against St. Louis, which frankly I think is what most people thought was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think the team has made the most of the, the setup and the situation that they're in, and, and now they have to sort of start to uh, maybe come down to ground level. Uh, with what they're going to have to be dealing with game to game. That being said, if players like uh, some of the players that were still kind of getting back into the team, like Robin Lud, are able to maybe perform a little uh, better, you could see a different result in this kind of game. I, I don't yeah. think th- I don't think the line was incredibly um, 
bold in this game. I think it was thin between whether or not Minnesota ended up getting a, a point um, mm-hmm. from this one. But obviously those margins are always going to be like that. Uh, and, and I do think that even if, let's say the team does very well against Orlando next week, I still think the point still stands that they have to maybe be a little worried about and think about how they're going to deal with the fact that they have limited options and they're starting to run out of ways to sort of refresh those options or, or surprise teams um, now that everyone kind of knows what that's about. I brought up the uh, the passing stats for each match this season. All right. So uh, 77% against Dallas, 49 against the Red Bulls. That's a snow game. MLS record. Uh, 74% against Colorado. 68 against Vancouver. 75 against St. Louis. And then 78 against Chicago. Uh, 78, the passing performance against Chicago, statistically, percentage-wise, is their best passing performance okay. of the season. Um, they have not been on the, the they have not been the better team in terms of accurate passing in any match this season. They have been the worst team in every single match uh, in terms of stringing passes together, which Adrian Heath has admitted is an issue. Um, he's he's not blind to that. He's not naive to that. He knows that's something. If this team wants to have sustained success, they're going to have to turn around and and start passing at a better clip and take care of the ball, obviously in their own third. But that is something to keep an eye on. Um, you also mentioned Robin Lud. I thought he looked really rusty in this one. You could tell he had missed a couple matches. Um, he just he wasn't talk about the passing. He was not distributing very well. He was not receiving the ball very well. Um, he had a couple opportunities that missed the goal by by Alexi Gomez range. Uh, like it was it was not good. It was it was not a great performance. And it was it just that's just kind of in a nutshell the performance of the entire team. And I think everybody sort of underperformed uh what their potential is in this one which talking about the question that i had asked you prior in a way you can kind of chalk this up to well everybody just kind of had a stinker of a game but at the same time this is not a team that's just going to dominate every single match and you know you'll be a mls playoff team running away most likely Mm -hmm. they're going to need every single point they can get they're going to need every single positive performance they can get to try scratch and claw their way into a playoff spot um especially a playoff spot where they're not doing a best of three (laughs) so um you know that's something to keep in mind where yes maybe this you can chalk this up but they can't have too many more of these and expect to be where they want to be come season's end yeah, I already forgot about the best of three thing for MLS. So thank you for reminding me about that nightmare. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I don't I don't think this loss suddenly means like this team is crap or something. I, I, I think that what was good before is there. There's potentially another uh, a good asset to make the most of with St. Ben. But the fact is, we've I mean, we've been talking about it. Andy's been talking about it. A lot of people have been talking about it. There's been a lot of results at the start of the season where it felt like, I don't know if the team quite deserved that. Mm-hmm. And against Chicago, someone finally made them actually pay for that. Um, I think that there's the ability for that to be a wake-up call. There's the ability for that to be motivation. I think it is good that the next game they have to play is against a team that you would at least think is beatable. Uh, if you yes. get that win in response, I do think that helps a lot make this more of a learning experience rather than like the start of a slide. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, this is, I think this is something everyone's kind of been expecting to come. I think it came a lot later, frankly, than I expected, given some of the teams they played before this. Um, and, I, you know, it, it just comes down to it's still early in the season. You kind of just had to march on, learn from it and march on, and, and make sure that the players you're starting 
the Nets game are ready to go, aren't dealing with some of that sort of um, slowness that maybe was in the Chicago game, whether that be from travel, rustiness, you know, who's been training longer, who ha- who's been away longer, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you just kind of have to hope that you can get kind of a fresh start against Orlando. Yeah, and that fresh start is Saturday against Adrian Heath's former club, Orlando City. Weather is going to suck again. It's been such a beautiful week, but the one day where the weather starts to take a decline, of course, is Saturday. Um, I almost wish they could have moved the game up to Friday or or something oh. to try to at least take advantage of some of the nice weather, but obviously that's not really – people already have plans and things going on, so you obviously can't just move games that late right. unless it's like severe weather. But – uh yeah so that's gonna kind of stink for people going they can't take advantage of this nice weather it's gonna be kind of that cold rainy type night at allianz field uh Callum williams though we'll be back on the call for this one alongside kaylin carr uh for mls season pass so that'll be fun for those watching at home comfortably in their warm houses or for us in the warm allianz field press box um there's been some bad and good it's been a very mixed bag for orlando this season and we're kind of on the on the statistics train here this week, I feel like. So let's let's jump yeah. into some of these stats from an Orlando perspective. So here's here's the bat for Orlando. Only four goals scored on the year, 24th in the league, 26th in the league in XG at only 6.3 through five matches for them. Or no, yes, five matches for them. Um, no, they've had six matches. So 6.3 XG. So just about an, one expected goal per match through six matches. Uh, 24th in accurate long balls this season. So they're not a team that's going to try to advance up the pitch, uh, you know, try to try to skip their way up the pitch, if you will. Uh, 25th in interceptions. That's the stat that Minnesota United is first in the league in, uh, in, in interceptions. And that's forcing interceptions, not being intercepted. Uh, and then 29th in possession one in the final third. So this is not a team that's going to turn you over in the midfield. This is not a team that's going to press, that's going to, although that might be the scouting report on Minnesota, because that's what that's what really caused the lack of effect, uh, effectiveness from Minnesota in the first half is Chicago pressed them pretty hard and forced some turnovers. Um, but that's not what Orlando does. So it's interesting to see if Orlando adjusts that game plan at all um, relative to what they've seen on tape from Minnesota. We'll have to see. But that's really not their game. They're going to play really tough defense because here's the good for Orlando. Only five goals conceded through six matches on the season. Uh, And that's eighth in the league. 21 clearances per match. That's fifth. Minnesota is actually second in the league in that particular uh, stat as well. And then Pedro Gaise has been great in goal for them. He has two clean sheets. Of course, you mentioned only the five goals conceded through these six matches. Three saves per 90, 75% save percentage. He's only facing four shots on goal per match, which is a testament to their to the Orlando City's defense, but he's stopping three of them. So it's it's one of those things where you're going to have to be, uh, from an attacking perspective, you're really going to have to be on your game to try to break down this Orlando City defense. But at the same time, it looks to be a potential really good defensive matchup for Minnesota from an Orlando City attack that hasn't really been able to produce much and isn't going to press them effectively and cause havoc the way they've seen in the last couple matches with St. Louis and Chicago. Hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting to see that Orlando are, have good defensive stats, but aren't necessarily having a great season. Uh, it's kind of interesting how that lines up. I, I think it'll be a big test for Minnesota because I, I don't think, I don't feel like Minnesota has quite yet had to play 
a truly like defensively like bunkered team mm-hmm. uh, this season. To some degree, there's been portions of games where that's developed, but not yeah. so much a team where that's the style um, or, or the strength. Uh, so I think that's going to be an interesting challenge. I, I think there's a lot of questions to, to be asked about the Minnesota attack as well. So I think that kind of pairs up very nicely from a neutral perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I we talked about the, the open pl- waiting for goals from open play, the lack of chances from open play or, or uh, dangerous chances from open play. Uh, I guess that really is going to be a, a big question against Orlando is what can Minnesota put on the plate to challenge this Orlando City side that, that has performed so well so far uh, with neutralizing threats in the defensive third. When Minnesota is able to control the midfield, control the tempo, control, uh, you know, uh, concede possession, but, you know, force those interceptions, as we've talked about, that's when they're at their best. We saw it against Dallas. We saw it in the second half against St. Louis. We even saw it to a degree in the second half against Chicago. I mean, they really kind of, really kind of woke up a little bit in that second 45, although they were really able, weren't able to produce much outside of Ariaga's free kick. They at least were able to alleviate some of the issues they were having with the press. But um, then comes the then comes the question of can Minnesota be clinical enough in the final third in this one to put a goal or two past Gaise and past this defense? Because you know, looking at this from my perspective, I, I just kind of mentioned this before. I don't think Minnesota is going to have an issue defensively in this one. Mm. I don't think they're going to get much pressure put on them from Orlando's right. attack. Right. It's just a matter of can they get enough opportunities and be clinical enough with those opportunities and goal to, to get a goal or two and come out with three points. Right. That is going to be the question. That's going to be the thing I'm really going to be looking at because we really, I mean, clinic being clinical in the final third has been an ongoing question for this team, an ongoing question mark for this team forever. It feels like, you know, mm. not creating chances, but finishing chances seems to have been, it seems to be kind of the, the revolving door, the the continuous issue. Um, they're going to need to be clinical on this one uh, if they're going to if they're going to want to uh, get the result that they, you know, it'd be really nice for them to get a home three points, get their first home win of the season, sort of get back on the right track. But it's all gonna it's all gonna rely on their finishing. Um, and I'm really interested to see what Adrian Heath does with the formation here. He went back to the four four two three one as we mentioned against uh, Chicago, didn't exactly go well. The four four two in the last couple matches prior had gone well. For Minnesota, from a structural standpoint, uh, with Sang Ben there, does do they go to a four four two? Is he that second striker, um, you know, or do they go to the four two three one? And does he take over the right wing spot for Bongi? Does he start at all? You know, that's that that's some of the questions that that we're facing from a from a lineup standpoint coming into this Saturday. He could start. Should he start? Is it the best move for him to start? In which formation do we want to see played out from Adrian Heath? Right. Uh, on, on the same Ben part, it's tough for me because I, I liked what I saw against Chicago, so I would like yeah. to see more. My concern is that if you, in either of the situations you just mentioned, where you pop them either into the uh, a front two in a four four two, or you pop them in Bondi spot in the uh, four two three one, he's essentially replacing the only guys who are being clinical from open play. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think to be honest with you, for me, the big question, one of the big questions I have, frankly, bigger than um, formation, 
is I don't know why this team doesn't seem to want to play its best open play finisher because Mender Garcia keeps getting subbed off or not played. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to make of that. I, I don't know what to make of the fact that the only guy that has more than one goal from open play for this team uh, is, is barely playing in comparison to the rest of the attacking options. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like that for me is the real question. The, the, the question for me is why the guy who's, who can't score unless he's got solo PK spot access is the one that is just being shown more time up front than the guy that's scoring goals. Um, I think that's a huge question that on this team that uh, people need to be considering in the attack. I mean, maybe I, I, to your original question, I guess that means I'm saying maybe keep St. Ben on the bench and bring him into games for now as, as games develop. It's also a question of his fitness level too. I mean, he was, he spent last, he spent most of last week or two weeks or whatever in a hotel room in Calgary for six days. right? Right. So it's not exactly, you know, just because, we think he's good enough to start doesn't necessarily mean he's fit enough to start right. and nothing can really replicate getting out onto the field and playing 60 plus minutes. So right. there's that part of it too. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't think Bondi has lost, uh, you know, rights to start. So I don't, I don't know if he should be losing that spot just because there's a new option. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's something that has to be earned uh, up front. I would love to see more of Mender Garcia personally. I would agree. Um, and, and so I don't know if there's a way they can make that work with the two of them. Maybe that's an option, but otherwise, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if it's a battle between St. Ben and Mender to, to get that other striker spot, I, I don't know what to make of that. All I know is that Garcia is the only striker this team has who has actually scored open play goals. So um, I think he should probably be getting more, more minutes, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what, what choices are made against Orlando, I guess. Yeah, there, there was a point last season where I feel like Adrian Heath sort of just said, screw it, we're going to put all of our best attackers on the field at once and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they had Robin Ludd, that, that was when they started putting Ludd in the defensive mid, in the in the central midfield, and they had Bongi yeah. on the right. And I wonder if they could almost take that sort of approach with this one. Is there a way you can put, you know, let's say you put, Amari and Garcia up top in a 4-4-2. Let's say you put, I mean, maybe Lud or Bongi on the right. Then you have your central midfield of Trap and Ariaga. You have Fragapane on the left. Um, is yeah. is that the way to go? Or is Lud your second striker? Do you put Garcia and Lud or Amaria and Lud? I know we just talked about, you know, Garcia being your best open play finisher, but we also kind of know that Amaria seems to work best in a two striker setup. So would him and Lud paired together up top be something that sort of unlocks this attack a little bit. Um, mm. And then do you put Bongi or Sengbin on the right? Well, there's a lot of different things they could do, but I do think that you need to sort of have some combination of up top of Lud, Garcia and Amaria, at least two of those three to, to have some sort of success. Um, because we've seen when this team has had its most success scoring goals, it's been, it's been loaded the false nine. Um, and it's been, you know, and even in times last year when Amaria was, was performing best. No, it wasn't exactly in a two striker setup, but he was sort of playing off of Reynoso like they were dual strikers. Right. right. So that's, that's something to keep an eye on too. I think what I'm saying is I want to see a return to the four, four, two. 
I think yeah. baseline, I want to see that because I thought I thought it it did well enough with guys out that it deserves a good solid run with with all with a full strength squad. And he's mentioned this week they defended in a four four two, but more play like a four two three one in attack. I want to see two strikers up front, whether it's Garcia Amaria, Garcia Lud, or Amaria Lud. I want to see some two of those three up top, and see what you can do with this full strength squad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, to your point, Amaria's, you know, always said to have his strength be working with the two. So yeah, maybe then we shouldn't be starting information that puts him up top alone if that's his strength. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I I agree with that point. I I think I don't hate the four two three one, but uh, to your point, if they if they can get the strengths of these players out better with the four four two, then do the damn four four two. I mean, it doesn't. I mean, do what works, play who works. So yeah, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I, I think it gives them a better chance to score more goals. And it kind of also aligns with what where this team what this team is is design where what the design of this lineup and team looks like where they're really going to rely on that back six. Rely if you're going to rely on your back six, rely on your back six, and then try to give your front four the best opportunity to score as many goals as humanly possible. I think right. that's kind of where this team kind of needs to needs to move when they have everybody back. So we shall see what happens on Saturday against Orlando City. But I do think, and I wrote about this in the Loons Daily Newsletter. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, you can you can uh, subscribe in the show notes below. I think it was today's, actually, on Thursday. Uh, the striker struggles that this team has faced, basically in its entire MLS tenure, really sort of came full circle on Saturday. Because not only do you have Kai Kamara scoring two goals against you, uh, that, that would be enough. But then you have Christian Ramirez scoring his third goal in as many appearances and as many starts for the crew. Yeah. And on the crew side, they have now they have now outscored teams twelve to one over those three matches in which Ramirez has started. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if Minnesota United could have attacking production like that. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> can't have nice things, I guess. Uh, yeah. No, I, it, it's something that this team has always. There's been periods of time. There's always been a month, two months, where the attack, whoever it is, over the last several years, will sort of hit form. You'll have a couple of games where it's like, wow, we, we just can't stop scoring. And then, you know, when it dries up, it dries up. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, it's been a storyline for this team since the beginning. Uh, you know, there's, from the from the moment that the this team's original sort of front three-ish of of Ramirez, Molino, and Venegas started playing, like, which actually wasn't even supposed to be the, <laughs> there were potentially going to be other players starting that, but that's what it turned into in 2017. Um, there's been questions, and those questions have stayed through a list of players long enough that I've actually forgotten some people and then remembered that they played for the team. Um, the other day, I realized that I had kind of forgotten that Ramon Avila played for this team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he played what three weeks? So I mean, it's, it's hard. It's hard to. It's, it's hard true, to blame but he was hyped. He was hyped pretty hard. So I, I, I kind of forgot that he uh, was loaned to us and then loaned to DC United the same season. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, it, it's a it's a question that that persists. It's a question that 
Uh, at times it feels like Heath and the crew have kind of answered, but then the answer always sort of slips away. We'll have to see if this season they can make, I mean, I, I think that the pieces that they have seem like they can be put together in a way where they'll be really good. Like it feels mm-hmm. like there's something there. It doesn't feel like it's really been mined out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, to be, to be honest, that's, that's also been really the question the whole time of the team. It's always been talent, but mining out the, the, the gains from that talent. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see. And of course, all of this with the, that big asterisk from the fact that you have a new player coming in, you know, how long does it take for, for him to, to immerse with the team? How much of an effect did he have this season? Um, but yeah, you got, the goal production has to improve. The open play goal production has to improve. Uh, and, and Orlando City, again, provides a very interesting uh, platform for that growth to take place. Yeah, and also speaking of former Minnesota United strikers, sending all of our best to former loon Mason Toy. Um, he went on underwent successful knee surgery earlier this week. He's going to be out six to eight weeks with that knee injury, so all the best to him. It really seemed like after the trade to Montreal, like right after that and with when Thierry Henry was their manager, he was really sort of starting to hit for him. It may have seemed like one of those that got away, but but after the coaching change and with some of the some of the craziness, and obviously they yeah. built their roster really really strong last season uh, to make that run. Uh, he hasn't really had the same form over these last couple of years, but hopefully he can find a find a spot and find a find a way to get himself back there because he was definitely a, a favorite during that during that run in 2019. Uh, for Loons fans. You know what's a favorite of Loons fans and everybody who checks us out at Soda Soccer Dom is Golasso Kits. G-O-L-A-C-O kits.com. And if you go to GolassoKits.com and you use the promo code Loons at checkout, you will get 15% off your order. What is Golasso Kits, you might ask? Uh, Golasso Kits is one of the, if you're a soccer fan and you enjoy like, you know, soccer kits, you collect, you know, soccer jerseys, soccer apparel, this is for you, okay? Unique vintage jerseys. So no, you're not going to get the 2023 Northern Lights kit. You're not going to get, you know, a brand new jersey. But if you're into like unique vintage stuff, for example, they have 2015 Minnesota United jerseys on this website. That's just that's just one example. They have they have Venezuelan jerseys too, right, Don? They do. Quick, I was going to do this at the end, but since you brought that up, I actually got myself with our code. I, got, I didn't get a jersey that didn't have anything in my size, but I got this national team hat. Wow, look at that. Mm-hmm. And Code oh, Loons got Dom, not 20% off. Sorry, guys. I keep saying 20% <laughs> off. It's 15% off, but it's still a really good deal. It's still a really good deal. Let me change this up real quick so you, it reads correct. But yeah, I've been looking. I've been doing some I've been doing some searching myself. They have some really cool US men's national team stuff that I'm uh, you know I, I'm considering as well. And they have these like mystery boxes. So if I go to golassokits.com, this is bad podcasting, guys. I'm sorry. But if I go to like surprise packages and I look at this, you can get a surprise kit for $29.99. Okay. Just you know, you just get if you're into soccer kits in general and you want to be surprised, boom, $29.99. That code for 15% off. Drops that down five bucks. So for less than 25 bucks, you can get a unique vintage soccer kit that probably initially retailed at at least like $89. So uh, that is the the power and that is the, uh, you know, the big perk of using Golasso kits. They are very, very, uh, you know, 
the, their selection is vast. It's strong. They have whatever team you're into from the Premier League to Syria to to La Liga to MLS to the old NASL days. Evidently, <laughs> doesn't matter to national teams. National teams yeah. galore over at Galasso Kits. You can get something for you. So again, GalassoKits.com. Use code Loons at checkout. And you will get 15% off your order. Cannot thank our friends over at Galasso Kids enough for uh, supporting the show and supporting what we're doing here on the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. And, of course, the uh, Soda Soccer entity as a whole, the website, the newsletter, podcast, doesn't matter. They're helping supporting what we're doing. So support them as well. Support the people who support us. All right, Dom, let's uh, drop it down to lower league here. Uh, we're going to start with MNUFC2. They keep rolling Do the doubloons. Uh, Tanya Lu- yeah, Tanya and Emmanuel Iwe both score in a two-to-one win on the road against LA Galaxy Two. Uh, UFC Two now top of the Western Conference, three wins and three matches. Love the hat, Dom. Yeah. Looks good. Yeah. Looks good. Appreciate you wearing that on the broadcast here. Um, and UFC Two now atop the official MLS Next Pro Power Rankings. Yeah. About time, Minnesota United States gets some <laughs> national respect, Dom. Right? Can you believe that there's a power rankings out there that actually uses results? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> amazing! It's an Eastern miracle. Um, yeah, no, I mean they've had a wonderful start. Um, some really solid defensive performances. Frankly, been a little unlucky not to get a clean sheet so far, but I mean they've yeah. had defensively strong performances. Uh, with that said. Uh, and of course, a lot of goals coming in. Something I, I, I've really uh, enjoyed seeing. Uh, I think I might have like tweeted about this or something, but I think they've had like six different goal scorers in these three games. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, some of the some players are getting particularly. Uh, I think Pacheco is, has like three. You know, there's some that have quite a few, but there's been a nice spread as well. It's not just like one guy uh, pummeling in goals. So you're really seeing some of the depth in that group which is important for uh, MLS Nets pro team because, of course, some games you have guys just randomly gone with the first team or, you know, academy kids that aren't going to be back that week, you know, all these different variations. So it's been really good to see a a nice rotation of responsibility in the final third. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just again, uh, it's great, you know, this game, uh, again, local guys involved in the goals with Emmanuel Iwe and, and, and of course, uh, Louis Shea showing some really good progress as well with the team. Really nice. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a solo goal, I guess, because he did get past the ball. There is an assist on it, but really good solo run from Louis Shea mm-hmm. for that goal. Uh, really nice finish as well. So just, uh, yeah, really, really encouraged by the, the week-to-week performances we're seeing from this team, the ability for guys to move in and out. Uh, and, and understand the responsibility. Three big results all on the road. This team hasn't even gone to play at home yet. Yep. Uh, you can imagine if they can get a nice run of home games. I'm blanking on what the schedule looks like for the next couple of games, but if they can it's get it's going to be a bit. The dome okay. is still on the still on the stadium right. there. That makes sense. So that makes sense. If they can, you know, keep up this time momentum and then get that run of home games, get some good results there. I mean, you see a team that's going to be in that top portion of the table for quite a while, hopefully. Um, so yeah, just uh, really good to see this team continuing a lot of that momentum we saw last season, uh, and, and frankly building on it uh, considerably, and just really sticking to their fundamentals and playing good soccer. Um, I think that's a it's great for them, it's great for these guys, but it's also great for the long term future of this team uh, because of course you would hope that at least a couple of these guys have futures with the first team. Um, and, and so yeah, I, I think it's just a really strong show of of growth from. Uh, that whole sort of Minnesota United sort of youth slash reserve um, branch. So great to see. 
I want to get to that first team point in a second, but just looking at the upcoming schedule at North Texas, the Sunday, the following Sunday, they're at Vancouver. And then the Thursday after that, they'll be taking on uh, Mounds View Zone, Micah Burton and Austin FC too uh, on Thursday, the 28th. So that'll be something to keep an eye on before returning uh, for their first match home at the NSC in Blaine on May 7th. Uh, so that's their first home match. But um, to your point about the first team, Dom, I, I asked Adrian Heath this week in training because there were a couple of MNUFC2 guys who were training with the first team, which has been uh, common. You know, they, they've been interchangeably having some second team guys train with, train with the first team. And it's never really the same two. There have been a couple that have trained a few times, and it's never really the same two guys. So kind of getting used to that first team training structure. And I asked Adrian Heath sort of about what it's been like to have those two guys in there in training. and um, you know, which of them have, have stood out and, and things like that. And he had a really interesting quote. So he said, a few of the younger ones have, really, this is the quote. So starting the quote here, a few of the younger ones have done really well. I think Britton Fisher has done really well. I think Carlos Leatherman's done really well. There's been a few of them. They've been excellent. It's good to see Emmanuel Iwe back out. Uh, he's had a really difficult year last year with his injury. I think he'll develop this year. I would think that come middle of the year, three or four of them might have an opportunity to join in with us end quote. So that means, you know, not only is MNUFC2 just as an entity performing really well, but, you know, Adrian Heath and this first, first team coaching staff is obviously really keeping a close eye on some of these individual performances right. within that. Diogo Pacheco was one of the guys who was training with the with the first team on Tuesday. He has three goals to start the year. He had three goals in the first two matches. You know, you have guys like, you know, we have, we've had Eway. Uh, looks like Tanio Luashei, at least right now, is uh kind of training and playing more exclusively with the second team after getting a couple of runouts with the first team earlier in the season. Uh, but it will be interesting to see sort of which of these MNUFC two players, obviously Devin Paddleford is, is always in that conversation too. Um, which of those guys sort of maybe kind of get called up quote unquote, if you will, during the middle of the season. Uh, we saw that a little, I think a little bit more last year than I expected league wide didn't exactly happen uh, with, with Minnesota United specifically, but league wide there, there were some needs on some first teams and some individuals who had some really strong uh, performances in the, in the MLS next pro season. So it's not uncommon to see guys sort of sign, you know, who have MLS next pro deals signing MLS deals in the middle of the season. So that's something that you'll, you'll, we have to keep an eye on to um, come the summer, you know, which guys, if any, from the twos actually move up to play more exclusively with the first team. But uh, yeah, that that's, I mean, that's a credit to the team. That's credit to to Cameron Knowles and what he's been able to do, uh, you know, getting this team together and obviously putting the right pieces in place, bringing the right players in, in the off season to make that kind of impact. Um, yeah. It's just, I think it's, it's really good organization all around for an organization that was kind of so late to getting a reserve side in and and at times actually push back against doing that in the past um to see that kind of potential trickle up if you will to the first team happening you know just in their second year that's that's creates a really positive outlook for the future obviously yeah yeah absolutely i mean yeah you mentioned obviously the fact that there was some resistance to the idea at, at one point that i think in retrospect well at the time it sounded kind of crazy to me but i think in retrospect it's really showing it's 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 not aged well um but but you know we're here now they're doing it they're doing it well that that's really what matters and and yeah you know it's interesting you mentioned that uh, uh last year that you saw some more of that movement than maybe some people expected and yeah i mean part of all of this is that this is a new league mls nets pro is a new project and so 
there's a lot of aspects. I mean, we've even seen this, you know, this year, last year, all these different situations where <laughs> everyone has to kind of ask like, what is the what is the uh, uh, the contract situation with this player? Like, who mm. is he actually <laughs> contracted with? And like, yep. all this, there's aspects of this system that we just don't understand yet that are still being yeah. figured out, that are still being flushed out, still being explored. And so, each team is doing that slightly differently, and and some teams are being more involved first to the second team than others. Um, but I, I think Minnesota United is in the the part of all that that it, that looks like they're doing it right which is that there's a a fair amount of involvement there's a fair amount of opportunity um obviously the results have been largely positive so uh yeah i mean it's just it's good to see the team continuing to to take part in that experiment um i I think it's one that is incredibly important for this team incredibly important for this team's ability to make the most of local talent something we've talked about before um so and and very quickly on the noted local talent uh you mentioned uh mika burton and austin fc uh too I believe this last weekend he made his debut with the team. He did. Um, and they like blasted North Texas <laughs> like three three zero. I think he subbed in the last like 15, 20 minutes. Uh, so shout out to him for that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm really excited by uh, the, the progress that we're seeing from uh, Minnesota United too. And, and I, I hope that they can keep this momentum through the season, uh, giving these guys a really good opportunity to, to shine on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, talking about, you know, learning curves and new rules and aspects of the organization. So I actually, this is something that the, that the teams are even sort of learning as they go, because I asked, uh, I asked the source within the organization after Emmanuel Iwe got called back up for a second time to the, you know, got signed that short-term loan agreement or whatever. I asked the source within the organization. I was like, is there like a, a cap or like some sort of limit on how many times a team can do this? And the guy was actually like, I actually don't know. That's a really good question. So <laughs> it's it's still a learning curve for uh, yeah. for some of these teams and organizations, uh, just as it is for us. You know, consuming this content and trying to talk about it in a educated way uh, on the yeah. podcast. So I'm sure there'll be more little little wrinkles in the in the system that that teams try to find and loopholes that they try to take advantage of moving forward that we'll find out about too. Um. But yeah, really good start for him in UFC too. And as I as I mentioned, they're back at it down south in North Texas on Sunday, seven thirty p.m. kickoff. On uh, I believe it'll be on Season Pass. Uh, lower league news now. USL League Two. I mean, there's signings abound in USL League Two and PSL USLW League. So let's jump into it. Starting in USL League Two, uh, Saint Croix Legends announced Andy Coel as their new head coach for the 2023 USL League Two season. Coel is a Wisconsin native and has coached college ball at Johnson and Wales University from 2018 to 2021, and he coached at Concordia College last year in 2022. And the Legends have also announced their first player of the season, uh, returning goalkeeper Wesley Sanders of Gustavus. Uh, While Minneapolis City have announced the return of veteran Crow Jonah Garcia, first ever guest of the 10,000 Witches podcast, (laughs) by the way, uh, and the signing of Dennis Mensa, a Bloomington native who now plays at St. Thomas. Uh, Rochester FC. Uh, they announced Monte Kinieris, who plays at Cowley College and previously played with Hungarian pro club Ujpest FC. Uh, Wisconsin native Spencer Dunlap of Iowa Central Community College and Finnegan Huffington, great name, who recently graduated from St. Scholastica and was previously in the Duluth FC Academy program in 2021. And then uh, Rochester also announced Jennifer no- uh, Noyles, excuse me, and former Timberwolves dietitian, Luke Corey as assistant coaches for their teams. That's a really good note on that last one, Dom. Former Timberwolves dietitian, uh, <laughs> they, Luke Corey. 
they included it in the when they announced him. They like included it. It was just like a little part of the blurb. But that is exactly where I narrowed in. <laughs> Can I know more about that, please? Yeah, um, seriously. But yeah, that's a fascinating sort of bit of experience to have in the back room. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, if you you know, obviously that's a skill set that he can bring to soccer players as well. So that's that's interesting, yeah. um, interesting aspect. But uh, yeah, yeah, a lot lot of, lot of really interesting moves in um, USL League Two this week. Obviously, good to know for for Saint Croix who's going to be in charge of the team this year. Um, Andy Cole, uh, so it, similar profile I think to to the um, managers they've had so far last year, um, but obviously a, a new person in charge. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. Uh, quickly, just because it's a player I'm a little more familiar with, I want to note uh, uh, Finn Finnegan Huffington um, joining Rochester FC. That's a really interesting move. He's a very talented guy. Uh, played at Saint Celeste as you noted uh, for several years. Uh, was really highly rated up there in Duluth. Mm -hmm. uh, was part of that academy team that that played friendlies and played in Dassel. Uh, wasn't able to to be part of the first team uh, because of attending. Uh, there's a bunch of coach rules because the head coach, because Sean Morgan coaches at Saint Slasco. Um, uh, anyways, uh, really deserves a shot at this level though, and uh, he's getting that at Rochester FC. Uh, so re really interested to see. You know, the, the the team has signed a lot of people of a higher collegiate pro profile than him. Uh, but I'm really curious to see what he can do kind of in the mix there um, and, and maybe get some some chances. But overall, I mean, really cool signings all across. Also, great to have Jonah Garcia back for another season. So it was really fun to see those guys that kind of become like legacy parts of the clubs here, the long-term veterans of these teams, sort of see them continue to play. Um, so, yeah, just just a lot of exciting stuff all around USL League 2, a, uh, a lot of interesting signings. In the W League, Aurora announced returning players Olivia Groutman, Bayless Flynn, and Crystal Ewa, uh, as well as new signing Kylie Olsen. Uh, and then incoming Aurora player Hannah Adler recently helped the U.S. women's extended national team qualify for the World Beach Games. So just add to the incoming players with, you know, really cool accolades, uh, you know, in their past for Aurora as they head into 2023. And then in PSL, Duluth extend the list of returning players with the signings of Jake Starling, Felipe Artiega, Andres Solares, and Felipe Oliveira. And then Joy Athletic bring in Jesse Suarez, a Shakopee High School alum who currently plays at St. Scholastica. Juarez was in the Minneapolis City Futures program and played last season for Duluth FC. So that is a big pickup for Joy Athletic heading into 2023. And obviously the aforementioned Aurora signings are all big in terms of returners and starters. I'm interested to see who wins that goalkeeper battle for Aurora, though, mm. because there's mm -hmm. no Sarah Fuller this year. And this right. team was that, that team, even outside of Fuller, was insanely deep at goalkeeper yeah. on their roster last year. Right. I feel like any other one of their goalkeepers on the roster could have started anywhere else in the W League, maybe outside of Tormenta. Uh, so that's that's something to watch out for for um for Aurora, but obviously big signings in the MPSL too. Yeah, to to your point, that's a really interesting situation for Aurora. I mean, it's not a bad situation; they got good goalkeepers. But it's gonna be an interesting situation from an outside perspective because, yeah, of course, you have a, like this this big hole in your squad from the the presence of Sarah Fuller that's no longer there. Obviously, had such a huge season last last year, so it's gonna be really interesting how they how they go about that. I'm sure whoever ends up winning that spot or or the multiple players that rotate in that spot will will be very impressive. Um, and yeah, MPS still some really fun signings there. I think for Joy. Uh, Jesse Juarez is a really interesting sign because, you know, to be perfectly frank, uh, Joy underperformed, I, I think, a lot of people's expectations last year, and that really came down to defensive solidity. Mm -hmm. um, so getting somebody that has a little more, well, first of all, is a little older than some of their other players tend to be, but also has a little more experience in this kind of league, 
um, has played with some different teams. He was part of a Duluth defense that was really good last year. Uh, so getting somebody like that in the midst, I think, has a really good potential. Um, mm -hmm. I, it's going to be really interesting to see how that all fits in. Uh, and then for Duluth, yeah, some really good return, returning signings. Uh, shout out to Jake Starling. This is his fourth season with Duluth FC. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and technically five years because he started in 2019. Obviously, didn't play in 2020. Um, so, uh, I mean, that that's a <laughs> that's a guy that's dedicated to this team. I, I yeah, when I sure. when I met Jake Starling in 2019, I did not expect to still be talking to him in five years. <laughs> um, so uh, that's that's crazy. The guy's from Florida, by the way. He's coming up here on his own accord. Yep. Because uh, he wants to be. So uh, shout out to him. I think he's up there. Assuming he, you know plays a decent amount of matches this season. He'll end up being up there in the record appearances for, for the team, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I guess on the other side of that, with, with the Duluth returners, it's interesting to see, obviously we talked about before, Med City at this point have announced basically like a full 11 of returning players from last yep. season. Uh, so as those two teams are at least expected to kind of be the big two for this season, it's interesting to see how they're, they weigh against each other in terms of those returners. Obviously, both teams are pretty soon going to be announcing a lot more new players. Uh, Med City have uh, announced a couple so far. Uh, Duluth, I'm sure, will soon. Uh, and, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that weighs in, how much of that uh, experience both teams are going to be using, how much of that uh, new player um, momentum they're going to be using. Uh, so it's just interesting to see how those kind of weigh against each other. Duluth haven't quite reached the amount of returning players yet that Med City have announced so far, but they both have at least half of a starting 11 of, of returning players. Uh, so it's just interesting to see how, how, how those all weigh out. But, uh, yeah, just very excited for, for all these leagues coming up. Uh, and Well, some of them in a couple of weeks. Yeah, UPSL, uh, just a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then uh, we obviously got the big announcement this week. Uh, Minneapolis City's home opener is going to be on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, right. in the, uh, in the Super Minnesota Cup. Super Cup, taking on the MNUFC U19 team. Uh, that is going to be awesome. Yeah. That is going to be a really cool atmosphere. If you have not gotten your tickets to this yet, go to Minneapolis city's website. I believe it's mplscitysc.com and get your tickets for this match. Minneapolis city, Minnesota United at, uh, at Augsburg, uh, Ador Nelson field. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm assuming that considering a Cinco de Mayo, there's gonna be plenty of taco trucks, uh, <laughs> there outside of, uh, outside of the stadium as well. Um, going to be a really good time. Going to be a really, really good time. Uh, great night, hopefully, for, for some soccer on a Friday evening. So um, that's a big one to start off the Super Super Cup and start off Minneapolis City's home 2023 season. But uh, not a big start to the home schedule for forward Madison. As in their home opener in the U.S. Open Cup third round, or excuse me, second round, they fall 3-2 in shocking fashion to Chicago House of the Midwest Premier League. It was a comeback win down 2-0 in the second half. House wore back to uh, even things up. And then it goes into added extra time where they do end up getting the winner. Um, Onan and Vasquez score for Madison. Adam Mann and Anthony Ray Smith. Uh, actually, Anthony Ray Smith Jr. scored twice for Chicago on this one. A brace for him. Um, and the 3-2 win. So cup sets are fun. Not exactly when your team's on the receiving end. Uh, the latest episode of Talking Flock, uh, Rob Chapel and Grant Peters talk all about it from the Ford Madison perspective. So if you haven't checked out Talking Flock, just check that out wherever you get your podcasts. But yeah, pretty shocking to see Ford Madison bow out this early. But I mean, at some point, your team's going to fall victim to a cup set, right? So yeah, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. 
it, I, I'm always going to get a certain amount of joy out of out of a cup set, particularly when the the cup setting team is is not playing in a professional league. Um, that that's always going to be fun. Obviously, it would have been nice if they'd been playing, I don't know, Union Omaha or something. Yep. <laughs> not for Madison, but uh, you know, is what it is. Um, it, it is cool that at the very least that that Open Cup journey is happening, sort of in the, the upper Midwest area and, and all of that. Um, but yeah, huge, huge result for Chicago house. It, one, first of all, just in the sense that they get to, you know, continue in the cup and play Chicago fire, uh, which I'm sure will be an interesting matchup, but, but also from a sort of long-term visibility branding perspective, of course, this is a club that previously was in NISA as a professional team and a sense moved down into the amateur levels. Um, my understanding is that it's supposed to be temporarily uh, playing in the Midwest premier league, uh, that this is, by the way, a huge win for the Midwest Premier League. Yes, huge, huge amount of exposure for them. I mean, that that's that is insane. So, um, yeah, I mean, just a lot of interesting dynamics to that result. A lot of interesting storylines. Um, but going to be very curious to see what that uh, Chicago House Chicago Fire game looks like. Obviously, yeah. the Fire will be favored in that, but just curious to see what what Chicago House can kind of bring to that um, as they sort of are provided a really interesting opportunity to sort of um, garner new new levels of attention in, the, in their home city, which I think would be interesting. Yeah, it, de- it definitely will. And that's, yeah, again, anytime an amateur team can be at a professional team, or I guess a semi-professional team in Chicago house, because they, they were in NISA, now they're in yeah. Midwest Premier League, so there's still remnants of that NISA team still with them in the Midwest Premier League. So I don't know if it's necessarily fair to call them a fully amateur team, but um yeah, I mean, just just a huge win. Always good to see a cup set. Sucks that it came at the at the hands of Forward Madison, but it does present a really cool third round matchup, as you mentioned, between Chicago Fire and Chicago House. You're you're not going to tell me that this this tournament, at least the draws, are not rigged. You're never going to be able to convince <laughs> me that they're not rigged. Um, I, I I tweeted I tweeted before the draw. If I mean, this tournament are, is indeed but... <laughs> rigged, uh, Minnesota United will draw Detroit City. And the winner of Ford Madison and Chicago House will get Chicago Fire. That's exactly yeah. what happened. And, of course, last year we got Minnesota United and Ford Madison in Madison. We got, like, Miami versus Miami. Like, yeah. it was, it's it's rigged. It's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. I don't mind it at all. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, don't tell us it's not when it obviously is. Um, but uh, speaking of Minnesota United, yes, they did draw Detroit City for the third round of the U.S. Open Cup. That will take place in Detroit or one of the suburbs of Detroit um, at Detroit City. On Tuesday, April 25th, early kickoff for that one, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, as that one is uh, technically an Eastern time zone uh, in Detroit there. So mm. um, that's going to be a fun little midweek game in the Open Cup. Hopefully, Minnesota United can have a, a little bit of a better run in the Open Cup than they did last season when they fell in the uh, fourth round, I believe, to Union Omaha. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, you know, I think this is going to be a, an environment that uh, Minnesota United don't have to play in that often just because it's, it's a little bit unique in, in uh, American soccer to have the sort of intensity that you get from uh, a Detroit city game. And you have to imagine this game will particularly draw uh, a, a big passionate crowd, of course, welcoming an MLS team. Uh, Smoke, the- darkness, and smell Dom. That's the, that's I Detroit just, city. I just, I just hope that Minnesota United can see when they, when they go <laughs> to play, I hope they are not obstructed. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I have to say that given how last year's run ended, this draw is, is slightly concerning. This does feel like the kind of game that could result in an early, um, ejection 
yeah. from from the cup. But you know, uh, at the same time, we've talked about how how promising a lot of the depth has been from this team, particularly from like that MN UFC two perspective and all that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that to me gives me a, a significant amount of hope that this team can do the rotation it's probably going to have to do for this game, but but still put up a competitive squad and and, and hopefully win. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be an interesting opportunity for these guys to play in a a, a compact, um, you know, intense stadium that is is unique. Really, um, there obviously are very intense stadiums in in MLS with certain fan bases, but to have one that is as intimate as Detroit yeah. City Stadium. Just ask uh, any Minneapolis City uh, players from twenty eighteen, yeah. I believe, about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I well, random quick tangent, but but you know, I, I talked to when I did that article with Mally Lumsden. Um, Duluth played there in 2017, and he, he was talking about that's still one of his biggest memories from his entire like career at this level of game. Is any Minneapolis there. City player that was on the field for that match says that's that's something they'll never forget. Like, holy crap! Like yeah, you know, the only the only time he really experienced that, you know, and that was before the team went pro. Exactly. But, uh, anyway. Yeah, anyway, so, I mean, really interesting environment. It's going to be really interesting to see how the players do. Um, I think it's probably going to be a challenge, particularly if the, if the squad is rotated a bit, but uh, that's that's what the Open Cup is for. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And, and real quick, side shout-out to Tulsa Athletic, the other non-professional, whatever you want to call them, team that beat a professional team this week. Yep. They beat a USL championship team. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> but they beat a USL championship team, which is crazy. So shout out to Tulsa Athletic. If they were playing a USL League One team, that wouldn't have happened, Dom. League One over championship. (laughs) All right. Anyways. All right. So now it's time to make our picks presented by Better Edge, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com. Making a a, a few picks for the weekend ahead. Obviously, we're going to start with Minnesota United and um, who are they playing? Oh, Orlando City. That's right. Oh, nice. Sorry, we just spent we just spent forty five minutes talking about it. And I I completely forgot. So Minnesota United, Orlando City. You see it right here on the platform, uh, bettor edge.com. If you go to betteredge.com slash loons, you get twenty dollars in your account for free, right there. So you can make some picks and join our pick'em contest. But Minnesota United and Orlando City, the loons are slight favorites at home, minus one twenty eight, which is they're not a huge favorite, but they're slight favorites, and the over under is two and a half total goals. Dom, I'm going to kick it over to you to start. What are, what are you picking here? All right. Uh, well, I will say with your upcoming prediction that I do agree with it, but my prediction is going to be uh, a Minnesota United win. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I, I do think a little rest on some of the more tired players from last game, a little motivation, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder perhaps, uh, wanting to return to the previous form. I, I think Minnesota United had a very tight victory against Orlando. And you can see with the one minus one twenty eight line here, you you don't quite double your money. You you almost double your money if you if you win this one. If you bet Minnesota United to win, I'm using Edge Coin here, so this means I can make this bet without risking real money. I I can certainly risk real money if I want to, but um, I am not risking real money with this particular bet. So um, you can do that if you just kind of want to play around and get a feel for the feel for the site. All right. I am actually not going to take Minnesota United or Orlando. I am picking the over-under, and I am picking under two and a half total goals. This pick has been good to me so far this season, so there's aspect there's that aspect of it too. Uh, but if you look at if you look at just both these teams, both these teams are very defensively focused, defensively oriented. Um, but with that being said, 
you know, you look at um, you look at Orlando. They have not kept a clean sheet all year, so there's that aspect of it too. But uh, they haven't exactly been uh, impressive in the attack, and neither really has Minnesota United so far this season. So to me, the under two and a half is is pretty straightforward um, to go with there. Um, you know, I thought Minnesota United's win last week was pretty straightforward. It obviously didn't go my way. Uh, but I'm still winning more than I'm not on these picks, Dom. I will say that. So that's true. Uh, under two and a half total goals is my pick for this one. All right. Yeah. No. I, th- I think I think it's a good call. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, just just between both teams' sort of struggles. So I, I definitely agree. All right. Now it's time for us to pick our locks and our upsets. Um, I will start with my lock, and this is actually one that, or excuse me, yeah, I'm going to start with my lock. Um, so I'm not picking a winner in this one. I'm going with Columbus Crew and New England Revolution over two and a half total goals. Uh, both teams have been scoring goals at will. I do not see specifically on the Columbus side. They may get the over two and a half on their own in this one at home. Um, yeah, I don't see how this one goes under two and a half. So uh, that's that's an easy one for me. Columbus and New England over. My uh, my lock is is also not a, a win or, or loss prediction. It is uh, Dallas LAFC over two and a half total goals because this fixture is always crazy. There's always a lot of goals. It might be LAFC blasting the Galaxy. It might be an upset. It might be a 4-4 draw. I don't know what it's going to be, but... These two always manage to uh, put together an interesting game, entertaining game with a lot of goals. So uh, I, I'm putting down uh, over two and a half on Galaxy LAFC. Perfect. All right, my upset. Um, this is a pretty big one too. Houston plus 217 on the road at New York Red Bulls. I just think with, with no Van Zier and just all the distractions that the Red Bulls are going through right now, um, sure. And Dynamo hasn't exactly been, you know, falling down for other teams this year yeah. either. Um, they got a couple of impressive wins, a couple of them on the road or results, I should say, a couple of them on the road. So um, I'm going with Houston to upset the Red Bulls. You can see with the edge coin here, if I do 50 edge coin, that's 158 back. That's the same if I were to bet real money. If I were to put 50 bucks on this one, I would get 158 back in winnings. Uh, so that's that's the the perk of betting an underdog, obviously, in the eyes of the of the books in the eyes of, uh, you know, the people who make the lines. They don't see it that way. They see Red Bull still being the favorite. Uh, but um, I think Dynamo, I think they're on upset alert this week, considering all that's happened. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, yeah. Um, my uh, my upset. It's not a crazy upset, but it's a, it's, it's a team that's significantly lower on the table that I think is going to be another team. Um, I, I think RSL are going, to, are going to pull something off at Dallas this weekend. Uh, RSL uh, got their first win in, in a while, uh, this uh, last round of games uh, against Charlotte. They looked quite good, got goals from all the guys that are supposed to be performing for them. Looked like a more complete performance. Looked infinitely better from the last couple of games that they've lost quite heavily. Dallas is one of those teams, I know we've talked about this before, that it's hard to read exactly what kind of team this is this year. Uh, hard to know what to expect from them. There's games where they do look good, but there's games where they look very inconsistent uh, and, and, and sometimes struggle. So I think RSL are going to be able to ride that momentum and, uh, and pull something off at Dallas this week. 
Uh, not necessarily a, a, a crazy win, big win, but I think they're going to pull off a tight win in Dallas. Man, we just don't like Dallas on this podcast, I know, do we? But... <laughs> I feel like one of us picks against Dallas every single week. Uh, but yeah, no, actually, I don't, I don't, I don't hate that pick either. Again, bettor edge.com slash loons. You may be thinking, Jeremy, I thought sports betting was illegal in Minnesota. It is, but Better Edge is not a sports book. They do not profit off of your loss. When you use Better Edge, you are actually betting with and against other users on the app. So, for example, I'm betting Minnesota United, uh, uh, and I'm betting Minnesota United Orlando under 2.5. I only win if somebody goes in that game and bets the opposite and bets something else that doesn't happen. So that is what separates better edge from sports books. You're not betting against the sports book. You're betting against other users within the app. It's kind of like, again, social betting with your friends with an app and an interface that you can use to do that. So that's, that's, that's the perk. And that's the perk of getting your friends involved, getting, getting everyone involved that you can. So again, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash loons gets you $20 in your account. Also allows you to enter our weekly pick'em contest. We have free versions and we have paid versions of that as well. Courtesy of our friends at Better Edge. Big thanks for, uh, to Better Edge for helping support what we're doing here on the 10,000 Pitches podcast and sodasoccer.com. That'll do it here, Dom. Any, uh, any last words? Oh gosh. Uh, no, just, uh, everyone keep an eye out for, for your local soccer teams. A lot of tickets are now for sale for, for UPSL, MPSL, USL, uh, teams. So, you know, if that's something you're interested in, keep an eye on that. Some of those seasons start pretty soon, uh, a couple of weeks, some of them in about a month. So just uh, keep an eye out. And if that's something you're interested in, you can either look into season tickets or just keep an eye on some dates you might want to do individually. But uh, all of those teams need your support. All of them, every single one of them. So if you have the interest, follow through and, and, and show up for them. All right. I am Jeremy Rushing. He is Dominic Jose Bazonio. This has been the 10,000 Pitches Podcast. We'll be right back here on YouTube after Minnesota United in Orlando City for another edition of Post Loons. And, of course, another edition of the 10,000 Pitches Podcast for your eyes and ears next Friday or Thursday if you want to tune in live. Big thanks to everybody for checking us out. Again, patreon.com slash soccer if you want to support what we're doing. And we'll see you guys next week.